Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar It is this week, and the Peter Jackson Beatles documentary. You just said, it's this week. It is this week. And I'm like, when is it not this it week? It is this week. <laughs> when um, is it another week? <laughs> have either of you guys watched any of it? I mean, obvi- if any of you have watched the entire thing, I would be extremely impressed, because it's legit like <laughs> eight or nine hours. No, just the first episode. Uh, I've seen, I think, probably about half of the first episode. And some of that stuff I'd seen before. What are your thoughts on what you've seen? I love just that fly on the wall kind of stuff, just to see like... How they do it, where things start and where they end up, shows you that it's hard to imagine a song any other way than you hear it on the record sometimes. But yeah, like, it's cool to see the evolution. I mean, it's great to just see them kind of working stuff out and just the way it it's in that big empty room with those random lights and they're trying to figure out what the hell's even going on. What are our songs? What are we doing? I mean, it's it's so cool to see them in a, just a big white room. You guys have to build a whole album and some kind of TV production. There's a lot of pressure on them and and what's going on there. That's for damn sure. Yeah, it's crazy. And and I I've actually watched the first two parts, so I'm I'm a little bit ahead and the the coolest thing about it is just seeing the songs develop. And I don't know how like if they're just legit. It sounds like they're legit like just writing the lyrics and stuff at yeah, in that are. moment. It's not like it kind of seems like they just kind of brought in some melodies they had each of them. They just start with one little hook and then they'll just sing their little melody into whatever words they want until they get the groove right. And then he'll Paul will talk to John, like, what about these lyrics? Jojo, where'd Jojo yeah. go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a great part where he's he's just working on the Jojo left his home in Tucson, Arizona, uh, looking for California. And how he ends up, like, he goes through a couple different iterations mm-hmm. before he ends up on. Uh, uh, bought some, bought some California. I always used to think that said Boston, California brass. That nice. is not correct. Boston, <laughs> California brass. Um, yeah, it, it was cool. I never um, made the, the correlation that their stuff started getting more and more advanced because partly because they stopped touring. I mean, I knew they stopped touring, but I just never thought about, oh, it makes sense if you're hanging out, you're just going to get more and more dense with stuff. And yeah. obviously they became the innovative rock band of all time and stuff, but even prior to that, you realize the thing, and you could even say the only thing that makes the Beatles so extraordinary is simply the songs. I mean, Paul's got a great voice, but besides that, the genius is all in the songwriting. Absolutely. And, you know, having been in a band for a few years, to, to just see the dynamics and how you have to deal with everybody's ego. I mean, I can't imagine the egos in the biggest band in the world. They've been together since for so long, and to watch them honestly they're only 28 years old. And <laughs> they right. look like 28 back then was like 38 now. Though. It, was a different, <laughs> it was a different era. They're well, just the, plowing through some cigarettes. Oh, yeah. I don't know, because the whole production is a little blue collar. They're going to work. Like, every day it's tough. It's not just like, hey, let's go have some fun and write some songs. It's like, we got a lot to do here. And like, so that's where you can feel the pressure. But it's cool to see them actually just doing work. Yeah. And while you're watching it, you can hear little bits of songs being created. Like there was a couple times before they even went in to get back where you could just hear a bump, yeah. bump, 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 bump. You could hear get back 
being born. Well, yeah, and Lennon know? has done a variation on Jealous Guy that it, it wasn't Jealous Guy, like two or three different yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. What were the words to that? Well, the, that the was, first, it was cool. It was the first time, different. I think it was just something he made up. And then this, in the second part, he does it where it's called Marrakesh Express. It, to, huh. to the and just to be like, huh? Yeah, he's gonna release that, and then Harrison obviously doing the uh, all things must pass. I uh, saw which, that. That was yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I I um watched a little bit of Imagine the other day, and I've always thought Jealous Guy was just an absurdly well written song. Like it's <laughs> yeah, it's so fuck like just mm-hmm. as a songwriter, because yeah. I mean the melody at the beginning is so good. And the chords are great, mm-hmm. and then the lyric, and it's so personal. And I like you, I've always really, really loved that song, and just like, God, how, how do you write something like this? And to see it, at him just basically having that beautiful melody, and just kind of working mm-hmm. around it, and then you know what it becomes, like with a completely different idea for the song, you know, just having that yeah. melody and be yeah, like, could- holding this until I have the perfect thing for it. Yeah, I w- the first iteration that he was playing, like I said, I can't remember what he was singing, but it had nothing to do with it. It wasn't even like a depressive kind of It was yeah. kind of like a more I want some more kind French of, fries. It was literally just yeah. the melody. that. The funniest thing to me, and, and it, he does this in the first episode, but they ask him, they're like, hey, you know, the Stones Rock and Roll Circus is coming out. They want you to do the vocals, uh, mm. ladies and gentlemen, presenting your host. He does that stuff. too. He just keeps saying it through. <laughs> like there's a part in the second part where they're just like playing and they're kind of like dead and he's like ladies and gentlemen <laughs> your host just out of, out of nowhere <laughs> that's funny yeah. out. that's a great performance laugh out loud that that the, that band quote unquote the Dirty Mac with him and Keith and Clapton and Mitch Mitchell it's yeah. like mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. your blues is better yeah. than any fucking mm-hmm. blues the Beatles ever played I mean it's, of course uh, it's Mitch Mitchell and Keith Richards and Clapton behind Lennon so that helps. But yeah. so let me ask you this. So if there wasn't the Beatles and all four of those guys just went at it as musicians, mm-hmm. who do you think would have been the most, and assuming they, you can, let's say they still went with the same songs, I guess, or the quality of songs. Like who do you think would have been the most commercially or, or just successful artistically, I guess? Um, I think the answer is easily Paul McCartney. Really? No, yeah. I don't. Yeah, he doesn't I mean, have like, an imagine. He doesn't I, have a jealous guy for me. Even like songs that are that. I think. Well, I thought you're. Done. I, I think McCartney would have been the most successful. I'm saying musician. successful. John would have been the most successful artist. Yeah, that's a good. That's like, a good caveat. I don't, I don't think any of them have a song as big of as Imagine. It, I mean, that is okay, an but iconic. Talking, song. But you said who would be the most successful, and right? So I, and I think what I'm that, saying is McCartney wrote. I think melodies and songs that appeal to the greater percentage of people like he well, i feel like he wrote more love songs and stuff like that than lennon what do you and, think his biggest so what would you say is his biggest song well Beatles? yesterday yesterday let it be like those those hang with imagine but imagine but imagine was by, by himself though imagine he wrote solo that was post Beatles. yeah well i'm, I'm let me ask you this what do you think yeah I'm, i mean this is a whole different world but, well, let me ask, yeah, let's go approach it from another angle what do you think is paul's best song post Beatles? the best song or the or most your favorite like, your favorite whatever which one do you like most I mean, I like, uh, you know, Stuck Inside These Four Walls. I mean, that's probably my... Is that from Band on the Run? Yeah, it is Band on the Run. It's yeah. part of that Band on the Run bit. Well, no, yeah, but that that's the name of that song. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a... It's a long But I would, I would say if you're like, what's the most famous Paul McCartney song post-Beatles? It would either be Live and Let Die or Maybe I'm Amazed. Right? Maybe I'm Amazed is my favorite. Yeah. Live and Let Die is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm Amazed for sure. So you, if you put it that way, uh, Harrison had the biggest selling album of any Beatles post Beatle. All Things Must Pass than... was like, sold more copies than any other Beatle album. 
just in terms of who would make the most money, I think it would be McCartney. And like Neil kind of said it right. I mean, Lennon, Lennon probably would have been the most respecting artist of the... Because he also did that. Yeah, I could see him being more of like a a provocateur, like artist, music, film. You know, he was into all that stuff. But McCartney at his heart was just a melody maker, really. But also, just just not and, to sell Harrison short, not only did he have the, the, the biggest selling album post-Beatle, but he also has, I think the um, Here Comes the Sun is like the most played Spotify song the Beatles have. I don't know what that means, but that means it, for a new generation, that's probably the most well-known Beatles song. No one, no, no one's going with Ringo. Yeah, I don't think anybody's <laughs> voting on Ringo as the most. Successful. I think he would have been in another really good band. Yeah, yeah. like he—he he was one of the better, and just his personality, even in that doc, they're like, God, he's so easily easy to get he's along. Like I'm a with. fucking he's Beatle, bopping around. I'll, I'll, what are you guys <laughs> telling me to do? So I'll do it. I just want to be a Beatle. And watching it only the first episode, like. We've all been there, but George, I feel like he kind of was being a little bitch, a little bit. <laughs> what do you want me to play? E7? Cool, dude. I'll play whatever, whatever you like. I <laughs> won't play at favorite. all. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> whatever I can do to please you. <laughs> I won't so do please you. Well, you know, at the end of the episode, not to ruin it for you, Jonathan, he, he <laughs> so nonchalantly goes, well, okay, I'm leaving the band. And he's like, let the boys talk it out. And then he just walks out of the studio, and you're like, and then they're like, George Harrison left the band, and then and then the yeah, other three just keep playing like nothing had happened. It was crazy. Yeah, and but Johnny, he's he's like, yeah, we're just sitting here jamming like that didn't happen. Whatever, and they just keep playing. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, pillow. those guys have been—they're literally like brothers. I mean, they've just been through this shit. It's something that no one else. They'll never be another Beatle, right? There's right. like they only made four. Well, nailing. <laughs> and I loved the end of the first episode where it's like. The next day, they went to George's house to have a conversation about what happened. It did not go well. <laughs> and, then, and then the credits were all funny. <laughs> and, uh, and on that note, you were listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to You. And from the Beatles to another British group from the 60s, this week we were talking about Sunny Afternoon from the Kinks' 1966 album Face to Face, written by Ray Davies and produced by Shel Talmy, and released on Pi. And reprise. And I love to live so pleasantly. Live this life of luxury. Blazing on a sunny. Honestly, man, I just want to pick it for the most sincerest of reasons, which I just want to listen to it. I just think it's a great song. I think everyone should thank me for having them listen to this song. And this is not a compliment to me, it's a compliment to the Kings. Feels like you were just complimenting yourself. I'm just, I'm a conduit. Enjoy for the awesomeness of the Kings. I'm a, yeah, I'm just like I'm a conduit of congratulations of rock and roll. I'm a conduit of self congratulations. Conduit of the Kings. <laughs> exactly. It's not unfair to ask: Is there ever been a band that's cooler than the Kings? Like, I don't think there's ever been a band that's actually cooler than the Kings. It's such a new voice in the world. I feel like because this was obviously English kids, artistic kids who heard rock and blues and started messing with it, but they brought this post-war we came out of awfulness and now we're discovering it's like the world went from black and white to color and these guys mm. were right at the right place at the right time and the british always sound so fucking intelligent like they just do they all do just it is, and i think it's just us being american you know it just sounds so exotic and fucking brilliant and it just adds to the charm and the cheekiness and the confidence and it's just like 
I can fault fucking Julian Casablancas for being a copycat because I feel like he is trying to copy this motherfucker. And I can't blame him. Like, the person who is this singing, this person, I feel like this guy sounds like, like I was just watching Narcos, he just sounds like some lord of the fucking manor, smarmy, don't give a shit, but refined. And it's just such a great mm-hmm. vibe. It's such a fantastic feeling. And so those are all the things I accuse the Strokes of wanting to be. And I can't blame them because it really is the coolest kind of vibe. Fair. <laughs> I, I definitely knew this song, but not as well as some other kink songs. And it's it's pretty damn good, man. It's it's a sad it's a sad song. Some sad shit going on. It's it's like almost like um, decadent discontent. Ooh. It is like he's definitely not happy. He's just like, but he's not exactly it. unhappy. My, well, he's fucking getting <laughs> drunk he's and he's dick. getting drunk and handsy with his girl, and then he's like, well, I just got my ice cold beer. Fucking, it it just sounds like sounds he's trying to, to convince himself <laughs> that the sun should be making him happy, but it's it's actually not. It's called Sunny Afternoon, but it's kind of got a spooky fucking spooky vibe to it. It's very like minor and like kind of. It's almost like the zombies. It's, or it's something. almost like the opposite of a sunny afternoon. Yeah, I like the eerie use of the chromatic kind of intro and. Uh-huh. And I was gonna be a contrarian. I was like, do I like this song? Um, but then after <laughs> listening to it, um, I can't do it. It sticks in your That's head. So it's, cool. it's really cool. And I like, I like Not the gonna message. Do it. <laughs> I always thought that. It said Sunday afternoon. It could still <laughs> work. Was, it could uh, still work. I, 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 it, it could. And when I was growing up in the South and that they played this on... It's a skipping Z- church song. 94.7, <laughs> like classic rock. Yeah. You associate yeah, everything it, with... Sunday's like when you're resting in the South. Yeah. That's, your, that's the Sabbath. That's your day off. That's your day to go to church and then eat KFC and watch NFL. Or, but, or drink beer and know, get handsy with your lady. <laughs> Ooh, That's what I'm on about. a Sunday afternoon, right. uh, the, feet in the but, fucking. But like, sorry. you should be sorry. I never knew this song was the Kinks because on classic rock radio, that like they didn't play like Waterloo Sunset and shit like that. They played like, you know, you really got me and all day and all night and Wild Thing and Lola, which don't sound like this. So I associated this song with like other stuff like uh, incense and lollipops or, or uh, uh, peppermints, <laughs> incense and, and peppermints, incense and lollipops and shit like. But it has that it has that same production sound, right? Sounds like the a, zombies a little bit. <laughs> the zombies, all that stuff that's like kind of mid sixties, like uh, pre Summer of Love. This song always seemed like more sixties pop than rock. And I never paid that much attention to it. It wasn't like a song that I, I know it, I knew it, but I, I wasn't like, ooh, I love this song. Probably because of that. I don't like Incense and Peppermints and, and shit like that. Oh, real quick, um, fun fact. Do you know the guitar player from Incense and, what's that, who was that band? That was uh, Strawberry Alarm Clock? Yeah. Ed King, he went and joined Skinner and he wrote Sweet Home Alabama and played the guitar solo yeah. and all that shit. He, and they met on tour together. Yeah. He's like he was one of the best songwriters ever in the band, and he he quit before the plane crash. A guy I used to see at the gym in the sauna all the time. Oh God, I can't remember his <laughs> name, but he was the guitar player for he was he was the guitar player for Oingo Boingo, and he was in a band. Danny with, well, Danny Elfman was in Oingo Boingo. Well, he was the main guy, but this was the guitar player. Oh, cool. Uh, he may have been in that band, Incense and Peppermint's band, actually, but Strawberry like a later Alarm iteration Clock. of it. Nice. Yeah, 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 he was in Strawberry Alarm Clock. That's right. Anyway, back to. The Kinks and Sunny Afternoon. Listening to it this week, I it's hard to find any fault in the song other than the fact that it's so fucking British. 
That's a great day. Um, it's it's such a it's it's it is great. It's great though. Yeah. But in some in but in some sense it makes it not as relatable. But in others it is basically the the catchy ass chorus. Yeah. But I I really I always love Ray Davies st- storytelling and you know the melody in the song is great. He knows how to fucking do that. It's not my favorite song, but it's a great song. It's probably it might not be it may or may not be my favorite Kink song, but it is one of the most purely vibe intent songs. I can. I, it's so just like you said. It's just dripping in like Britishness and and mid sixties. I know. And it's like, so awesome. Yeah. It's just like one of those curvy jaguars, in, like the early like. Or, they're all bitching about the tax man, fucking. Well, yeah, it's all you know. The Beatles had tax man, and then he does it tax. I mean, to dive in. I mean, like my favorite lyric of this. I, I do love the satirical nature of the song. Absolutely. I mean, the lyric is just super clever, super witty. Just shows you how talented this guy crazy. is as a songwriter. It's hard to separate the British from his songs because they are so fucking British. Like more so, even though this song has some Beatles elements into it, they're just way more British than the Beatles. And <laughs> it's like they're like a band and full it, of John Lennon's almost. Like there's that, that kind of bitey. Like they didn't have a Paul to mellow uh-huh. them out or George to mellow. They're just all like the bitey wit. Yeah, like angst and and insecurity and fucking, but also a superiority. Bit. Yeah, yeah, and a, like a, a deserved superiority. Like, uh, well, maybe not superiority, but like bitterness about being of a different class because you know British well, are inferiority is all, all about and a caste system. Superiority tend to go hand in hand. I think that is true. And I can't sail my yacht. He's taken everything I got. The, the great thing about the lyric, I think, is the fact that it is kind of a sarcastic kind of take on like an upper class person that he's just kind of making fun of. But he's able to do that and then have this really relatable, catchy chorus that is relatable to everyone and makes everyone feel good when they hear it. So if you listen to the verse, but it still fits because it's like. This dick is so entitled. He thinks every day should be a fucking sunny afternoon in and the summertime. It is. He should just have to do this all the fucking it, time. But he probably does. It sounds like he actually does it. He's just halfway bored with it, but doesn't know what else to do, and who cares? What, what's your favorite line? <laughs> I mean, my favorite line in the song is one of my favorite longs, full stop. The fucking she went back to her ma and pa telling tales of drunkenness and cruelty. Like, that is... Because <laughs> he's not necessarily saying that she was telling tr- being truthful. He's not saying there's so many different yeah. ways to approach it, but he's just kind of like, fuck her, whatever. It just sounds like a fucking, <laughs> there again, back to the Gucci commercial. It's like if the yeah, Gucci commercial came entitled, out, but like, it looks good doing it. <laughs> the world is here to cater to me. That's why you wear fuck Gucci, everyone because you can be a fucking dick and get away with it. Yeah. Neil, what's your favorite line? Well, I think before um, we chose this song, I had never really even listened to the lyric, or the... Um, the verses. Yeah. So definitely the chorus. And like like most good songs, he's using just kind of buzzwords like my big fat mama, my ice cold beer, this life of luxury. Like, and it, it's cool. I guess every song, that's what you're trying to do is just yeah. come up with memorable little like pieces that people, because not everyone, you know, processes all the lyrics. They just get sure. the, yeah, life of luxury, Sunday afternoon, sounds good. It's like, it's about what? Uh, my favorite line is, and it's very reminiscent of Dylan, which he said he was listening to a lot of when he wrote this, is the, it's about the yacht. And I and I can't sail my yacht. He's taken everything I've got. So great. <laughs> Jonathan, like, too, what you were saying was your favorite, the drunkenness and cruelty. Yeah. 
he said at one point in an interview that he he feared that the listeners would identify and like this guy too much. So he's like, in the second verse, I had to make him a scoundrel to make sure people uh, didn't like. But it's so like Dorsey because there's a there's the Door song. Well, yeah, there's the carnival. But like, there's a song like we could be so good together, and he's like, we could be so good together, and he's like, then the the refrain is like, tell you lies, I tell you wicked lies, and it's just that kind of like. This is a little bit before the Doors, right? This is '67, like a year. So this is '66. It's yeah, same. What depends, like recorded or. I saw 67. No, no, no. Recorded and released in 66 on, on Wikipedia. But I think that was the same year as Light My Fire, I think. Save me, save me, save me from this squeeze. I got a big fat mama trying to break me. I feel like this is a sound that may have been somewhat new. I mean, it, yeah, it has some Beatles in it, and they say it's like British music hall kind of bass, but like... This is so laid back and loungy. It's but vaudeville, carnival, kind of that kind of stuff like, too. It, it's got well with the ragtime piano vibe, and like, but it has it with a yeah. with a new, like what Amy Winehouse did, where it's like it's that vibe, but it has a unique identity to it. Because I've never seen someone do this quite so like in such a smarmy way, but fun. But it's that cheeky asshole. I think he's also just writing. It, but what's great is it, it, this was also a time of fucking songwriting. And this is just a like this is just a story. Right, exactly. You're right. Like, it, it really has nothing to do with him, I don't think. It's just like I'm going to write a song about a person like this. It's it's almost like somebody writing a book. I'm sure he's been this guy at moments because I mean No, I mean he I said mean, he wanted it. to write sarcastically about someone who came from old money whereas oh. he's someone who kind of didn't and ha- now has money. But those dudes were fucking And he understands those point too, man. It's crazy. Like Keith Richards yeah, had a so, fucking rolls with that album with the turntable in it. Well, no, no. He actually said he said, "Look, at this point I had basically done everything I wanted to do in my life creatively, and I was 22, <laughs> and I had a new kid, and I had a nervous breakdown because I was like, "What am I going to do with the rest of my life? I've done all I wanted well, to." Raise do. your kid, you're golden. But this is the genius of Ray Davies. He reinvented his sound. He was like, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out a way to write different songs," and this is what he came up with. And this only reached 14. You could say that the songs that they were doing before, which almost was like gave birth to fucking garage rock punk shit like that and, and were more to the masses popular this is something he did and it was still popular and he was able to kind of live off this i mean i love a lot of kink shit that sound like this but to reinvent your sound like that at 22 after you have something that you could keep doing and probably just continue making bank on and to take that risk fucking yeah. kudos man like and they as a band they as a band have a lot of there's so many songs they have that don't sound like the same oh yeah band. it's crazy like yeah it's crazy i mean they have a lot that sound alike but if you dig through their catalog you're like what the fuck strangers is, this? is a song that's strangers like, is awesome what, what the fuck is this uh um let's have a death for the sake of the clown waterloo sunset no, great what tune. is it gets up in the morning mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 that's what one's that one's so this. great and then but then there's like the later stuff but there's that dude picture book in their own way, man, I'm not. Nobody is the Beatles, but in their own way, they're like well, almost like the yin yang of the Beatles to me. They're like the dark side of the Beatles. They're the British. They're like the more British version of the Beatles, basically. They also 20th Century Man is an amazing song by them and a great album, uh, whatever album that is that that's on. Now, so the best part of this song is a melody from the Save Me. Da, da. 
it keeps going places that I'm not expecting until it gets back to the sunny afternoon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and when it peaks with the life of luxury, it's great. Well, it's tough, yeah. man. Life of luxury. This is it, you don't usually see a song that does this. It's hitting it on the melody, it's hitting it on the lyrics, and it's hitting it on the music. Cause that riff, that that and. so cool I almost didn't even feel like that was a riff until I read that it was a riff because sure. it just feels like the rhythm of the song well it's this part it's the well yeah the thing that's like walk, what is that walking down yeah because otherwise you're yeah. just going yeah it's, it's, otherwise, it's, it's, it's kind of like the, the dead go. Well, yeah. That's a riff. Yeah. It's kind of the, the foundation of the song, which riffs certainly can be. But it's not a riff yeah, like a I mean, but blues I can see riff. how you could you can that we've talked about it before. Riff, the definition of riff well, is whatever. Here's the, the thing: is it essential it thematically? And I think it's absolutely essential. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. because it, it. I mean, the the melody follows it for sure. Actually, does it? At the end, they, oh, here's what it is. When it's going down at the end, they're going up. On this Sunday afternoon. And then doom, boom. Doom, and then it's going down. Doom, and they're going, doom, in the doom, summertime. In the summertime. But it's not the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. It okay. just compliments That's... the shit out of it. Blazing on a sunny afternoon. In the summertime. Uh, Jonathan, what's your favorite part of the song? I mean, how effectively I am brought into the experience that he seems to be trying to communicate. Like, I just, it's so experiential. Like, it sounds like when I hear it, I can just see the dude, like, sitting in a pool with a floaty and a martini and his sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. And this is like a fucking hot model girlfriend who's driving fucking insane. But he, but he also doesn't even give a shit. And so you can just... It's almost like you're in a Stanley Kubrick fucking video for a second or something. It's crazy. I I almost think of it more not as a visual medium, but more of like I'm reading a book and with a melody, pretty much, or like a short story with a melody. It's got like some Fitzgerald in it almost. Yeah, I, I, my favorite part is the chorus. I mean, it needs it. It it doesn't. The song doesn't grab me until the chorus. It needs that kind of playful change. And then, like I said, just how it peaks with the life of luxury. And also, if you listen all the way to the end, I love the little just acoustic, almost like siren guitar. It's kind of it's just ominous. It's just like, oh god, that's the yacht he can't sail anymore. It's definitely. It just sounds like it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Yeah, just right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Speaking of uh, the best of times and the worst of times, I think it's maybe vibe time. Oh yeah. Cue the music in three, two, one. <sighs> so glad your voice is back, Johnny. <laughs> well, you know. So you can vibe. Pick up good vibrations, Josh. Yeah, vibing. Oh, boy. Jonathan, it's your song. When, when do you want to hear this song? <laughs> should, should we say it on three? I, every time you say that, I, I, I have no idea what to say. 
on a Sunday. You could figure it out. You always say it. You always like it. <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, on a Sunday. 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 <laughs> um, I want to. <laughs> I want to hear this when I'm sitting with my feet in a kiddie pool. <laughs> just right. sitting there on a lawn in a lawn chair. Are you sitting in a lawn chair? No, actually, truth be told, I'll be sitting in a in a fucking fold out like fifteen dollar lawn chair with my feet in a kiddie pool on the front yard of a fucking mansion. <laughs> but is but is the grass overgrown? No, there's someone cutting it. There's nothing like the smell of cut grass, especially when someone. Do else you have it. a trucker hat on, and are you wearing cut off jean shorts? Yes and yes. That and that's no shit. <laughs> well, obviously. Getting handsy with my woman. Uh, Neil, when do you want to hear this? Well, it's good for in the summertime. Uh. <laughs> I think it'd be great in like the dead of winter as well. I think it just needs to be extreme, either extremely hot or extremely cold. That You need to let this, will, let this soothe you. I'm going to go with, because it's so British, I just it, it, it's got to be in like a field and with like fucking sheep. <laughs> fucking bang around bang around bang around <laughs> I'm sure what's happening now I'm, I'm, I've just became goat boy that reminds uh, me of a joke <laughs> a terrible joke check my dad told me go you wanna hear it yes we that, wanna hear the it the guy moves to the town turns out like all the guys local guys fuck sheep at night and like they go to the yeah. farm to the field the guy's like, you should just try it. And he's like, what do you do? He's like, you just pick one out and give it a go. So the guy pick, picks one out and he disappears for five or ten minutes and he comes <laughs> back. And the guy's like, well, how'd it go? And he's like, he's like, man, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get aroused. He's like, you know. And the guy's like, well, hell, man, you pick the ugliest one. <laughs> uh, speaking of bestiality, why don't, we, why don't we slide under the influence real quick? It's not that bad, Josh. <laughs> Jonathan, what? Uh, give us some influences, bro. Mm. Very involved, Billy. I don't know how them and the Beatles seem to just magically find this harmony place or melody place. Like, because yeah. the parts of it, I'm like, well, yeah, that's very like you know vaudeville kind of thing. But then the way they just transition and flow out of it so naturally, and it becomes mm. like. And it, like the song's kind of asymmetrical, like it, it's not really like verse chord. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really line up. I mean, it does, but you just keep going through different moods. But they always manage to find their way back to the original and then back through it again. It's really yeah. impressive. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah, Neil, what 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 you got? Well, how much do you think this song took from "Summertime"? Because it's very similar vibe. It's melodic and summery. And, and you're right. It's like a '60s ever song. It's a good call. And it's got that dark. It's that, vibe. Mi- it's that minor. It's just very like boom, boom. It's got that minor. I feel like it was def. I feel even when they do in the summertime. But beyond that, I mean, it sounds very mamas and papas contemporary with the ragtime piano. It also has a very kind of Saint Tropez vibe yeah, that's a good to comp. it. Mm-hmm. Pink Floyd. We've talked about how British it is. It definitely reminds me of Monty Python. Yeah, <laughs> everything British. You know, I don't really hear the vaudeville as much as I hear it. It's almost loungy to me, which makes sense because he said that he was listening to like Sinatra a lot when he wrote this. It also reminds <laughs> me of Maxwell Silverhammer a, a little bit, and uh, I, I definitely think this was influenced by British tax law. Um, <laughs> nice. But, 
Moving forward, I, you know, I mean, I know Wes Anderson loves to use them, and I can, you, you know, yeah. very twee. What's twee? I, I don't even know what that means. I, I don't even know what Why that means, but I hear it, and I'm like, because it, it's it's used to describe Wes Anderson. Okay, a lot. I know what, that's I, what you mean. I know what you mean, but I just want—I never yeah. heard it in word form. This feels the same way, even though I don't know what it's it means. Twee. I, I kind of know, know what it means. It's kind of like um, my posse's on Broadway, the Sir Mix Lot tune. You know, he's like, he's like, we're about to get. He keeps saying "swass." The word "swass," like that word, does not mean anything. Well, the the other band that more recent that I would say that is a direct descendant of this guy is Gorillaz, mm-hmm. and it's specifically yeah. that windmill, windmill, falling fire. Yeah, falling. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is basically the same song, but also very British. Gorillaz, the guy is. I think he's the guy from Pulp, right? He very British Pulp, sensibility, all that stuff. Um, I was like, there's definitely some Doors relationship. I think they're contemporaries. I don't hear it. Oh yeah, I mean, even the way he sings with that kind of baritone kind of crooner bit, telling tales. I think he's a better. I think he's a, just cruelty. a better straight songwriter than well, Morrison. He is, but the, per, but the, the dark Morrison's a better performer. But the dark, ed, intelligent, dis, disconnected, existential shit is both rate and Doors. I mean, I think it covers. There's some common ground. In fact, the Doors. I almost got feel sued. like he's more looking at it with I'm not a saying they're satirical. Identical. I'm just saying they're. I right. I agree with you, but I, but I'm not saying they're identical. I'm just saying there's some thematic overlap. I would say, and actually, the Doors got sued for um, that. Um, they said it sounded too much like "Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name?" Oh wow, yeah. Which I never thought. I never about, thought of that. But and it actually, does. the story goes. Ray Davies' lawyer was like, you could probably assume and get money for that. And he was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, you could. And it's kind of like, I mean, I, I guess, okay. <laughs> money? <laughs> it's sure. It's kind of like, well, he wasn't really like, pushing for it. But I got to pay the tax, man. He's like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> song for song, I put I don't, I don't, put the Beatles. I put them on par with the Beatles, and that's about it. I don't know if anybody else writes as efficiently, as if, as oftenly well as fucking the Kings. Except for maybe the Beatles, Jonathan. Yeah. Seriously, I, they don't have quite the catalog. But them some, them some, them some fighting I'm, words. I'm saying, okay. I'm, I would. Not I mean, to some people, I wouldn't not say, me. No, I, I wouldn't say anybody's better than the Beatles. I'm saying if I was like, who would I put right in the same, the closest to the Beatles in terms of just seer songwriting? Probably and the Stones, but even the Kinks more so. I think. I think it's. I think in terms of as a songwriter, this guy is closer to Dylan than. Uh, other side, just the way he writes yeah. and the way he's commenting on I'm not society. About, like, who and, like I just mean like how significant he is. I think he's profoundly significant. Okay, we are just back and forth right now. I think I think we need to calm down, light some candles, and and slide <laughs> under the covers. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. Go under the covers, baby. <laughs> That's where we're heading. Jonathan, I want to tell. I want you to tell easy me. Now, easy now, easy now, Josh. You're getting to. too in character there. Damn boy. Yeah. Uh, give me, give me the covers you listen to, Johnny. Mm. I, I just, I will spend every moment listening to the original. I can't be troubled. Okay, okay, okay. Neil, what, what you got? I was actually listening to a cover. I was listening to a cover right now, which is my favorite one. Jimmy um, Buffett. Tom, Tom Jones. Really? Man. No. Rise oh of the Jones. God. Stop it. Right oh now, no, I'm, I'm not saying right it's like a masterpiece, but it blew me away how creative this. it is. And he's just like, it's Tom Jones time. with space, right? Oh, I gotta mm-hmm. hear this. Yeah, 
It's it's psychedelic Jones, Jonathan. Psychedelic which you Jones. said a couple weeks ago yeah. you don't want any part Let's of psychedelic see, I, Jones. I've been I, I've, I, I may have been wrong, but I have been wrong before. You'll love it. I mean, it's a good. I'm not going to put it in any mixes. It's just it's. I put it in Josh's fucking grilling mix. Um, I did listen to the Buffett, Josh. It's terrible. Um, it's full Buffett. Oh, that too. Yeah, Look full at what Buffett. I'm missing. It's Full Buffett. Oh man, what is wrong? Not with me? Good. I, could, I couldn't. I, I I was in for about twenty. Although seconds I'm not gonna lie, the, when I when I listened to this song during the week, I was like, this has an island feel to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just because I associate the and like a little, with a little reggae, but Buffett really takes it into that like island feel and does not step back from the precipice. He's just like, we're fucking jumping off the cliff into the ocean here. With a parrot on my shoulder. What, did you listen to anything else? No, I stopped Tom Jones. Almost <laughs> okay. the Tom Jones is not tolerable. <laughs> I agree. No, that second verse where he comes in is just great. I listened to about thirty seconds of that, and I was like, "No, Tom Jones." I have a couple. Stereophonics did one, which is not good. Uh, the vocal is just way too distorted. Haley Reinhardt and Scott Bradley did one. That's a bit dramatic and even more loungy, but sounds pretty good they kind of lean into the lounge and then uh, the best one i listened to is onda vaga which is basically pretty straightforward to the original but it sounds great and she sings it great you know onda vaga that's the one that i would recommend you listen to this buffett's not bad i'm listening to it now it's overproduced it's overproduced and i don't think i think it's I think it's genetically impossible for him to sound upset. I think it's cool that he covered it. I just don't need to listen. I think to it. his divorce well, court procedures would sound like a party. <laughs> He's just—I mean, there's something about the dude's voice. You immediately have a mustache and cut off shorts, and you're just happy to be anywhere. He's like alimony, it's so good alimony. <laughs> he got rich Paying as fuck too. your bills. Uh, Michael McDonald did a cover. I read, but I couldn't find it. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Blazing on Sunday afternoon. Uh, speaking of um, alimony, <laughs> Jonathan, how does the shoe fit? <laughs> it fits like a white slide-on Gucci loafer with a fucking Ooh. gold and tassel. Ooh, a gold tassel. Does it have the little stripe on there? Does it have the green stripe? Did they have it? I feel like it could have a green stripe. <laughs> Neil. Shoe fitting. <laughs> um, yes, it fits, but I took them off. I'm um, dipping my toes in the baby pool with Jonathan. Are, are, are little fishies in the waiting pool fucking eating off no. the dead skin? There's no little fishies. It's just a baby no, pool. There's just one just, big carp sucking on my toes. <laughs> if, if there are little little fishies, I'm putting my shoes back on and I'm out of there. You're going tennis shoes, no socks, <laughs> cut off jean shorts, and a trucker hat. You're just going to walk around the lawn, the well-manicured lawn. Man, they really do a good job cutting this grass. Uh, you smell that? You fucking smell that? For some reason, I love the idea of a guy standing in like a kiddie pool, like like just you know shin deep with arm floaters on. For some reason, I just think that's such a funny... For some reason, when you say that, I just picture the next cover for Kid Rock's album. <laughs> Kid Rock's next Kid Rock album gets serious. cover. Kid Rock gets <laughs> The deeper side of Kid Rock. Kid Rock's American Songbook. <laughs> Kid Rock Cruise. <laughs> Moon River, chigga danga dangy oh dang, uh, diggy diggy. Uh, <laughs> no, it was fun. It was fun. No, somebody uh, hit me about guitar lessons the other day, and I was like, "What kind of stuff?" I always ask. Like, what do you want to play? You know, it's important to work with somebody who knows the stuff you like. And 
this dude was like, well, I don't know, man. I think I just really want to play some Limp Biscuit. I was like, really? We just don't hear that much anymore. And I'm like, what songs? Did you deny lessons? <laughs> no, You're I was like, morbidly curious about. You should have been like, when was the last time you did it all for the Nookie? <laughs> <laughs> now, here's what's cool about this guy. I called, and he picks up the phone because he he didn't know who, my, my number. And he was just like, North Carolina in the house. And I was like. Yeah, what's up, man? He's like, who is this? <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> you called me about guitar lessons. He's like, oh, what's up, man? I was like, I, I love his enthusiasm. Just a cold call. Like, who picks up? He must have been, I bet he was high as fuck on something. Oh, my God. Okay, now it's time to determine how the shoe fits for me. Yeah, guys. It? Um, it fits sometimes. What does that mean? But, but without shoes. What? It's like, I'm outside. It's chilly, I'm barefoot, and I need to find some slippers if I'm going to stay outside. That's how it fits. Ooh, they fit like a scenario? Funny. There's many layers there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means. It fits like a, it fits like a little little shoe story that I just told you I don't you guys. even know what that means. Like, you don't have to know what it means. <laughs> it's like me being like, what size shoe do you need, Josh? And you're like, river. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Does it fit like you finding shoes after your feet are cold? Or? It fits like slippers in a chilly. Ah, evening there we go. That's what I was. Like, now I understand what you're saying. You have slippers. You're not yearning for. Slippers. I'm not yearning. This is existential. I'm, not, I'm lost okay. in the forest and I yeah. can't find no, slippers. No, 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 no. I'm like without I, slippers. I, I once I had. I slippers step outside in my backyard. I, my feet are on the cold brick, and I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna need slippers. Okay, yeah. That's how that this makes sense. Goes. Now you didn't say slippers before. Well, well now that we've clarified that, on that note. Our cover of the Kinks, Sunny Afternoon. Two good reasons. 
cover you just heard was performed by Jonathan Horton. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is Neil's week. So Neil, what will we be discussing? We will be listening to In Excess, Never Tear Us Apart. Can't wait! Ha 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 ha